Get your hands dirty with the Gardening Gang. Saturday mornings at 8 on Coast FM 963. Home of the classic hits. Coast FM 963 with Pete and Sherilyn back on a Saturday morning with the Gardening Gang being sponsored by Alan Graham's Caravans and RVs open all weekend and also Doormaster Security Doors and Windows. Well, it's going to be an overcast wet day today, Sherilyn. We know that. I think you've got to cover it in rain on the way down from... The Lake Macor- Lake, uh, Memora, Lake yes. Memora. It was pouring, Pete. And it's going to pour in the southern parts of the coast very soon, I think. Mm, but uh, mm. thinking long term, and the uh, expectation is for a very long, hot summer. Yes, it is. That's what we've got on the cards for us. And so we've gathered together some of our gang favourites and a few experts as well today to help us prepare our garden, but also our home for the upcoming long, hot summer, the summer days, but also for the bushfire season as well. So many people are taking up gardening at the moment and we've got lots of newbies that tune in as well. Well, you've got to be prepared for this. There's a few things you can do and we'll be also looking at indoor plants as well. Believe it or not, Pete, they get affected too. But are they a fire risk? <laughs> well, Maybe. If you've, got too many, if you've got too many candles around. <laughs> Leaving a candle around? Yes, yeah, exactly. you, can, you, can, you, can, you can ask uh, Rachel about that. We've got Tim Ferruja coming up next. He's from Burbank House and Garden at Erina and he's got tips on vegetable growing during these very hot days of summer. Not today. I'm actually a bit cold here, Pete. <laughs> it's kind of uh, strange that we're talking about this hot... Uh, Hot summertime coming, <laughs> and we're sitting here basically in little. little um, <laughs> Tim next. Eleven past eight with Coast FM. The classic hits continue now with Giorgio Moroder together in Electric Dreams with the gang this morning at Coast FM. Good morning, Pete Little and Sherilyn Darcy here with the Gardening Gang. With uh, summer just around the corner and uh, Sherilyn, let me say, everyone is forecasting very hot and dry summer. Yep, hot, Might be a bit wet this weekend, but that's all going to change. We're talking about how to look after your garden if it's going to be a hot, long summer. Yep. An expert in this field, Tim Ferrugia. I know. We've got Tim on the line and he is from Burbank House and Garden at Erina Heights. Hello, Tim. Good morning. How are you going? We're good. He's one of our favourite horticulturalists. We've had him on a few times. Pete, I'm sure you can remember. Very knowledgeable chap. Very, very knowledgeable. Okay, let's paint the scenario. All right, so what we're mostly concerned about, Tim, is our vegetable gardens. Like, I know we should be planting native bushes and shrubs and things like that, but we all like our veggies. So what are the things that we can do to protect our veggie gardens from this long, hot summer? If you're starting from the beginning, work on your soil. I think that's probably the best tip I can ever give is get yourself a good lot of compost if you make it yourself. Even better, if you're buying some in, just get a a good quality compost mix. That will get your soil off to the best start. The soil's holding water, you're watering less, I'd say. uh, Compost manures, all of those good things. Uh, Always mulch. if you've got a 40-degree summer day and it's just cooking in the soil, everything from the top's evaporating and, and cooking your vegetables and drying your soil oh, out. Get the mulch can out. Right. Yes, okay. of course. And when's the best time to water your veggie garden when it's a hot day? Not in the middle of the day. I know that, Sherilyn. <laughs> well done, I've been Pete. told that. Don't go out there between 11 and 4. Is that about right, Tim, or is it longer? That's the rule. 
in, uh, if you can water first thing in the morning, ideally, and a good deep soak rather than rather than getting out there for 30 seconds in a really light water, if you can do a bit of a, a longer one and make sure you get a good soak down. Look, in the nursery, in my garden at home, if things are drying and stressed, I'm, I'm watering them no matter what. Um, and mm-hmm. even if it is sort of super hot, but yeah, ideally, if you can water first thing in the morning. Uh, a lot of vegetables, if you're watering late afternoon and, and closer to the night, we have those hot, steamy summer nights. It can promote fungal problems, like oh, tomatoes yeah. especially. Is that you have right? Wet soil and oh, okay. 25 degrees and, and humid nights, all those sort of fungal pathogens just float up into the foliage and, and sort of infect or reinfect your plants. Are there any devices that you would recommend? You know, drip irrigation, and I think... How about a hose to start with? Yeah, well, a hose. With a nozzle. That's a good appliance. Great, a sprinkler (laughs) or something. No, but I'm seeing these things at the moment, and they're called, I think they're called Ayas or Olas, and they're these terracotta things that I keep seeing that people are burying in their gardens. Do you know what they are, Tim, and are they any good? My parents have some Ayas. Yeah, it's... Is an Italian or Greek? Don't don't uh, get angry at me on that if I'm wrong. <laughs> okay. um, but it's sort of essentially burying a, a concrete, uh, a terracotta jar, mm-hmm. and you fill that with water, and because terracotta is porous, it slowly leaches ah. out of that jug uh, and, and waters the soil. It's sort of like having a timer on, I guess. Yeah, I, they're all over TikTok and the internet at the moment. Is that moment. right? Yeah, I've, I've, I've been, I've been these, hanging out uh, to ask Tim if, you call them. if it's worth doing. And I've seen people, they're getting like two terracotta pots and they're gluing them together somehow and then stopping would, the bottom. Would and you then, sell these at uh, the nursery, Tim? I, I wish I did, but I've got to say I don't have any. No, but I've seen people do the, the what uh, Sherilyn said, the, the two pots glued together. Mm. I think, look, God, save some money when you can, especially in the vegetable garden. Um, there's no point spending a thousand dollars. Tim would Tim would have some terracotta pots there for sure. Glue these two together and then you stop the bottom up and then you've got the hole in the top and you just fill it up with water. Sounds so simple. Yeah, that's a good idea. Probably goes back a hundred years, that idea. Oh, it's thousands of years. That's what what they're claiming. They're sort of like this is the way they did this drip irrigation and be cheaper and better than having all that plastic around the garden, I was thinking. Well say no more. <laughs> and, and let's just run past us again on the name of that uh, particular appliance. Sherlin hasn't quite got the pronunciation right yet. It was a Oya. 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 Yeah, he's like, got it right. It's Oya. Oya, come on over here. <laughs> Oya, I need some water. <laughs> <laughs> Oya, I'm thirsty. I know how to say it, but I don't know how to spell it. Well, see, I know how to spell it, but I don't know how to say it. Well, we're a great team, Tim. Okay. There you go. It's, it's O-double-L-A. That's how I've seen it. And I've, oh, yeah. it's Ola. Like, it looks no, like Ola. No, you don't say L. Oh, of course, the L Oya. is silent as in fish. So I'm going to remember well, that. Well, that's yeah. been a worthwhile conversation. It's been Only fantastic. to find out the name of that particular, uh, you know, uh, for, for your garden uh, watering. Tim, thank you so much today. That's been worth gold, I think, mm, today. Thank you. Mm-hmm. No worries. And everyone Thanks selling oyers are going to be impacted heavily today. Absolutely. <laughs> We've been speaking with Tim Faridja there, and he is from Burbank House and Garden at Erina Heights. Lovely spot. And it's been a wonderful chat all about keeping your vegetable gardens nice and cool and watered and healthy over this long, hot summer. That's our theme today with the Gardening Gang at Coast FM. With Pete and Sherilyn. Thanks, Timmy. All right. Classic hits at Coast FM 963, and that's sure.
and Half Breed at Coast FM. 23 minutes after 9 o'clock with Pete and Sherilyn. We're talking about uh, keeping our garden fresh and alive throughout this forthcoming hot, hot summer. Not so much this weekend. It's going to rain for most of it, according to our forecast. Anyway, but we did have uh, a comment come in from one of our listeners, Chad. Question for you, Sherilyn. Hey, Sherilyn. It's Chad from Pearl Beach. I've seen those uh, self-watering pots down at Bunnings, and I'm like, yeah, I want to get it. But I don't know. Is it a bit of bull? Is it a waste of money? Does it really work? Will it kill my plants? Is it worth getting? What do you think? Uh, let's have a think about this. I know what you're talking about. You see them in Bunnings and a lot of nurseries as well, usually made of plastic and they've got a reservoir on the bottom that's sort of attached to them and you you fill up the bottom with water somehow and then the idea is that the soil then sucks up the water into the plants. They're a really good idea. So they're not bull at all. They do actually work. They're very good for people who work full time or they go away a lot as well. The thing is you've got to keep an eye on them. They're not very good for very thirsty plants because they just don't have enough water and they're sometimes not very good for plants that don't need much water. So think your succulents and your cacti, you can end up flooding them with too many things. I'd like to say be careful of what they're made of. We just don't want to introduce too much plastic into the environment. Why not? Because so <laughs> we don't, Pete. Come on. All right, we it's don't. recyclable. <laughs> well, if they're made of recyclable plastic, maybe. I might I might give you a little <laughs> thing there. What Tim uh, Ferugia was talking about from Burbank before, the Oyers, they do the same sort of thing. So, you know what, Chad, try to make some of those. The other thing that they're not good for is that they don't do well in very wet or humid environments. I don't know how wet or humid it is around Pearl Beach. I'm, I'm a northerner, not a southerner. But they, they don't because the, the, you can end up with rotten and waterlogged roots roots in them as well. But hey, if you go away a lot and you're a bit uh, plant sort of, you ignore your plants. I was going to say plant ignorant, but no, you don't sound like a plant ignorant fellow. Plant slack, maybe. Plant slack is a good good idea. They're also a little bit more expensive, but hey, Chad, if you live at Pearl Beach, you'd probably be all right with that. Feel right at home with the Gardening Gang. Coast FM 963. Coast FM, Pete and Sheldon here on a Saturday morning. It's the Gardening Gang. This particular weekend, we're talking about uh, how to safeguard your your garden and your flowers and your ferns and things like that in the event of a very, very hot hot, long summer. Which we're supposed to get, Pete. Rachel O'Kell is one of our mates. Rachel O'Kell's on the line right now. She broke away from a very, very happy uh, engagement with a client this morning. Good morning to you, Rachel. How are you? Good morning. How are you? I want to check something with you, if I may. We have some pot plants at our place at uh, beautiful downtown Saratoga. My wife has an interesting solution when it gets very hot. She'll Mm -hmm. She'll take the pot plants and place them in the bath. And then let water sprinkle over them from the shower. And she said, Pete, get in there. And I said, no, <laughs> no, no, why would I need to do that? She'd just rumble them around a bit. No, actually yeah. she doesn't. She, she prefers me to be fully dressed oh, at all times, if you can understand what I mean. But uh, I think, what do you think of that idea? I think that's a great idea. That's okay. okay. Let's, go, let's go and figure ourselves as uh, gardeners in the middle of December of this year. Uh, Sherilyn will be uh, no doubt there at uh, her beautiful home at uh, Lake Mamora. Mm. I'll be at uh, Saradice. And it's very, very hot. Let's pretend it's, it's near hot. 38 yeah. degrees. Oh, my goodness. And we're, we're kind of dying. <laughs> so we bring all the pot plants indoors and turn on the air conditioning. Is that a good idea? I probably wouldn't 
recommend having your pot plants directly near the air conditioning, no. Air conditioning can actually dry the air and we're going to have a hot, dry summer so the air is going to be dry already. So we want to do things that can increase humidity, not decrease it. And air conditioning is going to decrease the humidity. So if you have house plants or you're bringing plants indoors to try and protect them from the hot weather, I wouldn't put them directly near the air conditioning. If you can, I would move them away from the air conditioning if possible. So we're speaking with Rachel O'Kell at the moment from Our Green Sanctuary, a houseplant guru to everybody. What are your top tips for keeping our houseplants healthy through summer? So I definitely think that there are ways for us to harvest water from other household tasks for our houseplants. So are you the type of person that you do turn the shower on and wait for it to heat up before you jump in? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't like a cold shower. Don't like a cold shower. So put a bucket in the shower to catch that excess water and then you can use that water Mm. to water your plants. You can also save water from boiling eggs and pasta or steaming vegetables. Make sure you let it cool before Mm. you use it to water your plants. (laughs) Oh, yeah, don't Don't do that. put boiling water on your plants. But once you've let it cool... You can put that in your watering can to water your house plants. Also, if you're uh, washing your fruit and vegetables in the sink, use a bowl. Catch that water. That's a great tip. I love that. It's a bit extreme, but it's a good idea, though. It's not extreme. That's not extreme. I mean, can you imagine, I, can you imagine Sherilyn and Pete having a bucket yeah. in their shower? What else have you got to and do? And our relative partners would go, it? what the hell is this here for? You know? <laughs> it's super common. <laughs> if it was you, they'd think it's something freaky, but anyway. <laughs> got to be done. <laughs> got to be done. Got to be done. You All might right, save a couple of cents on water. Yeah. <laughs> what, oh, All Pete. Right. What else you got there, Rachel? I also uh, really believe in using a really good quality potting mix. Mm-hmm. Um, because a good quality potting mix can be helpful in retaining water for our houseplants. If we're using a cheap mix and that we put the water in the potting mix and then it just drains straight through and yeah. the potting mix isn't grabbing that water, allowing the roots to suck it up. Number three, we've got to choose water-wise houseplants. So if you're going to add plants to your collection, you've got to be smart about what you choose. So succulent stems, succulent oh. rhizomes. So things like your snake plant, mother-in-law tongue, the Sansevieria species, mm. the Zanzibar gem, ZZ plant, Zamiococcus, Zamifolia, and even our beautiful trailing plants like Ripsalis species. They've got beautiful succulent stems oh, they that do too. need less frequent watering. Another one I do recommend is mm. to group your plants together. So when mm. you group your plants together and you water your plants thoroughly and less often, then we are allowing our plants to create a microclimate mm-hmm. where they will share humidity because mm. there's not going to be a lot of humidity around. Mm-hmm. And then if we are watering our plants thoroughly, we don't have to water them as often. And another point would be when we are grouping them together, maybe we're moving them a little bit further away from that light source because when a plant receives more light, through the act of photosynthesis, it's going to use more water. Good logic Now, we there. don't want it to be too far away because we still need them to receive enough light where they're happy. So okay, and I've got one more for you, Rachel. Here's this okay. best, festive question. Is Christmas decoration and lights good for our indoor plants oh, or damaging? winding them around them. Yes, That's all that kind question, of stuff. Hey? Because that happens a lot at our place. Mm. Or I they're think- very festive, these plants. 
I think it's fine. I wouldn't be too concerned about it. The main thing would be the weight of the Christmas lights to the strength of the plant. But no, I wouldn't think that they would be hurting your plants at all. I probably would just take care if they've, if the globes are quite hot and they're landing on the leaves. You don't obviously want the leaves to burn from the hot globes. But generally, I wouldn't think that they would get that hot, those little lights, especially the battery-powered ones, and they're quite light with a, you know, a little copper um, string. I think they would be totally fine. I wouldn't be too concerned. They're That's not going to hurt one. your That's, plant. I thought there may be yeah. some electromagnetic radiation that might clash with the... Oh, uh, goodness me. No? <laughs> there we go. Okay, well, listen, we're running out of time here. You know I can talk about houseplants forever, guys. <laughs> and we love it. Hey, we Rachel, love it. <laughs> that's been very, very interesting today. Thanks for joining us today. We've been speaking with Rachel O'Kell of Our Green Sanctuary. You can find her online or also on Instagram, a beautiful feed. And she's been sharing with us houseplant tips for our long, hot summer. She's Thanks. our Christmas elf as well. She is. On the shelf. <laughs> Thank you so much, Rachel. <laughs> Have a great day. With the Gardening Gang right here at Coast FM 963. With Pete and Sherilyn. FM, Pete and Sherilyn here Saturday morning with the Gardening Gang. Always a bit of fun. Now, it's nice to also talk to a member of the Fire Brigade mm. rather than a gardening person, Sherilyn. <laughs> well, we've Today, been talking we've been talking about... The long, hot summer yes. that we're looking down the barrel of at the moment. And mm. I thought we'd get a little bit of a serious tone here. So I've got Shane On Guerin... this show... A serious tone. We need to get serious about this, Pete. (laughs) So I've got Shane Gearan with us. He's the acting district manager of the New South Wales Rural Fire Service. Central Coast region. Yeah. Hi, Shane. Welcome to the game. Thanks for having me. All right, Shane. Now, we're getting all these tips about what we can do in our garden to sort of make sure we're a bit fire safe. But I haven't I haven't got really, yeah. to be quite honest, all these experts, they're sort of just talking about like, oh, make sure you have a hose nearby. But Shane, what is the real actual things we need to do to be fire ready? Because it's going to be hot and hot means fire. Yeah, absolutely. I think what's important is that I'm not an ecologist. I'm uh-huh. actually a firefighter. So, but, but I specialise in community risk. So I think the main objectives here are in terms of fuel management because mm-hmm. when you look at fire, basics of fire, fire triangle, fuel, oxygen and heat, yep. you know, we have an ability to manage the fuel element, clearly the oxygen element we're all breathing, so mm-hmm. it's a bit difficult to take away from the fire triangle. And then, of course, the heat element, which you know, accidental cause, lightning strikes, human intervention, suspicious fires, those sorts of things. So the one main thing that we have an influence over is is fuel. Right. And when you're talking fuel... Those flaky and ribbon-type barks Mm. uh, where they have the opportunity, if they do catch fire, then they give off embers. And those embers can float elsewhere and find combustible materials around the home. So... Here's me going because I've got a couple of big scribbly gums in my garden, and they, they've got that. They've, they, they sort of all and a paper. Well, you probably live well. in a fairly high risk area there at uh, I'm Lake in a really high, Yeah, I'm at Lake Memorial. What are the risky suburbs on the coast, Shane? What oh, the... I think it's fair to say that any suburb where there's a significant tract of bushland, uh, yeah. then you have the opportunity for fires to occur. Mm-hmm. So you've got lots of bush uh, to the west of the M1 Pacific Motorway. Um, and obviously that bush you know, comes out of those forested areas and then into the more urbanised areas where we've got developments that are close by. Mm. Well, you, you don't have uh, burning yeah. off in the middle of a suburb normally. 
they're restricted generally to the you know the the, the, the bushy parts of the central coast. Well, yeah, they're not going to be. So yeah. around your own backyard, keeping those leaves yep. down makes a lot of common sense. What about other fields uh, aside from leaves? What what are your thoughts there? Well, um, one thing that people accumulate over the winter months, if particularly if they've got a fireplace, is they have firewood. Oh, so yes. that firewood tend they tend to store it right beside the home. So that's the sort of stuff that you perhaps should be relocating in the summer months away from anything that's more combustible. Uh, you don't want fires to occur right beside the home uh, that yeah. could potentially enter the home. And of course, you know, you've got I, a fire within inside the You know what, Shane? I just had a complete like, oh yeah, moment then. Did you I have know, a wow moment? I did. I really had an epiphany then. I just went, you know, probably my blonde moment of the, the month. But honestly, I just went, of course, you, of course. And I've got to tell you, I've got oh. firewood near my house. I know what I'm doing this afternoon. Moving it. You've got a bit of a coal pit as well, haven't you, from the uh, the local mines of Lake Namora? <laughs> yeah, you've got a, a coal stove oh, there. Oh, and, oh, and she's he, got a real he's problem. Getting, he's getting his Saratoga <laughs> dig in here at the moment. Oh, my goodness. Hey, one of the other basic things is the, the straw door entry mat. Oh. A lot of people have actually got a door entry mat that sits at the front door. Sure. And just fly over. They sit on the... The, the entry door, oh. and then you're welcoming fire into the home. So I think that's really important that anything that's combustible around the house, anything that you yes. feel could actually catch fire, because embers are largely the thing that actually catches fire to those combustible materials, yeah. particularly if you've got not a, lot of, not a lot of fuel leading up to the actual house. Mm-hmm. So I think what's important is just have a real good look around the home what could potentially catch fire if there was loads of embers that are flying yeah. that are airborne from a fire close by? I think that's the thing we forget about. And when, you know, sadly, when we go back to this, the aftermath of these fires, you often hear people say, oh, I don't know, it missed five houses, but it got this one in the middle, CP. And this is it. It's from those embers when you find that out. And I, tell you, I just had that's another weird. sort of shiver then because I have two straw mats, one at the front and one at the back. And they're getting a little yeah. bit raggedy too, to be quite honest. So they're probably fit for. Oh, that's the dogs. Up. They're chewing that's into the them too much, mate. So <laughs> get rid of the dogs totally first. Totally is and the no. dogs. Totally is the dogs. These the, are, these the other thing is garden furniture. Oh. If, you, if you're thinking about what's around the home and you've got garden furniture that could potentially catch on fire, it's under the pergola or it's close mm. to the house. They're the sorts of things that if there is a fire close by, you've got ember showers that are happening move them away from the house or put them in the garage, put them away from the home so that they can't catch on fire. Well, Sheridan's probably got a um, you know, a fire detector in her greenhouse. <laughs> Would that help? <laughs> I've got wooden furniture. Can I tell you what I do at this time of the year is that I oil my wooden outdoor furniture and I'm just thinking to myself, that probably makes it Good. doubly more sort of like combustible no, no, or to quite, be better. Quite the contrary. Oh, Absolutely. Okay. Where, where you've got opportunities, little cracks in the wood or little openings or knots that are exposed, you have the, the opportunity. And this happened in Canberra fires many years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was evidence and I've seen lots of pictures where they had um, fires that occurred on decks and on balustrades, on verandas, mm-hmm. uh, where the actual ember had sat and smouldered away in those cracks. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then you had fires that are close by homes. And without that intervention, without someone either being home or firefighters there to actually put the fire out, mm. it could have been a lot more. 
That's right. Well, look, Cheryl, they're sort of tipping, when I say they, the newspapers, mm -hmm. whether or not they're being alarmist, but they're tipping similar conditions for this upcoming summer, which is kind of frightening. It is frightening, but if we could listen to people like Shane, who's the Acting District Manager of the Central Coast Rural Fire Service, who's with us at the moment, and take some of those things on board, we might be able to avoid putting all this pressure get on. Mat, get the mat away. Put that mat away, darling. Exactly. Oh, Shane, thank you so much for joining us today. You're welcome. All right, so if you want to know more... Been very helpful, mate. Thank yeah, you so much. If you much. want to know more about put, keeping your garden and your home fire safe, Shane, you've got a website? Uh, we have, www.rfsnsw.gov.au. And just jump onto My Fire Plan. It only takes five minutes to produce a fire plan for yourself. Everyone needs to have a bushfire survival plan. Absolutely. All right, Shane, Fabulous. have a good weekend and thanks for all the great work you do. Thank you. All the best. Well, as uh, Shane uh, nips off to his garden, thank you, uh, mate, for your time there. This is The Gardening you, Gang mate. with Pete and Sherilyn and Shane this morning is our guest. That's right. Keep yourself safe out there. Coast FM, Pete Little and Sherilyn Darcy here today. The uh, Coast FM Gardening Gang now welcoming What Hot Vicky from Narara Valley Nursery. Good morning. Good morning. How are you doing? Having a busy week this week? Uh, is it still hot to trot in the nursery world, Vicky? Is it, yeah, still very busy, so that's really good because we're meant to be in for a hot summer, so we're not sure what's going to happen there. Oh, mm. well, um, shall we call you back in January? No, we'll call you <laughs> No, we won't. We'll talk to you now. Now, Vicky, what? You've been uh, trolling the internet looking for some good specials in our local yeah. nurseries. What, uh, what have you found? Well, it's water plants galore at Burbank and Erin Heights. Yeah. They've got water lilies. Charmhaven Garden Centre have got happy hydrangeas to cheer up your shady spot. Leroy's Garden World have got dwarf grafted eucalyptus available in red, pink and orange and I know that they're really sought after at the moment so head there. And the Gracilis Bamboo at Noraville Green are still on sale if you're looking for a bargain screening plant. Also, Waii Nursery have a buy one, get one free pot sale. It's an opportunity to spruce up your place less. Now, what about at Narara Valley? Now, they pay your wages, so you should give them a good plug. Hey, Dick. <laughs> they need to increase my wages. <laughs> but what in our garden this week is our big and blooming display of hydrangeas. They're covered in masses of pink, white and blue fluffy flower heads, and they really do look amazing when they're planted in a shady spot in the garden or a pot, and they're my absolute favourite. I call them the uh, the cabbage of flowers, you know that? They, from a distance, they look like cabbages. Oh. That's my eyesight's pretty crooked there. I can see that. Now, uh, <laughs> we've got uh, Miss Darcy here coming through the stories I of the year and do. is finding something to ask us to quiz us right now, Vicky, with uh, the gardening gang. Fact or fib. There it is. Here Fact we or go, fib time. You two thinking caps on. Well, we've been talking about hot, hot, hot. And last week we were talking about cacti, and I just love cacti so much. Let's go cacti again, shall we? Again? Oh, yeah, this is a really good one. All right, Joseph Banks. He just loved botany so much. He named Botany Bay, Botany oh, Bay. Better respect, Sir Joseph. Oh, I'm sorry, Sir Joseph Banks. Yes, there you go. So on his trip to... Uh, Australia, where he was the first 
well, he wasn't the first white person, was he? Here, he no, was he probably. Wasn't, no. Yeah, no, he got. He was on the, the Captain Cook. <laughs> he was on the Endeavour. Endeavour. Anyway, a lot of people don't realise that the Endeavour actually stopped in a few places before Australia, and that was Brazil, Tahiti, New Zealand, and Australia. Okay, and he was collecting plants on the way. He collected cacti as well from Brazil, particularly the mellow cactus. That's what it was called. M E L O cactus. That's the Latin name. It's also known as a Turk's head cactus. He was the first person to take cacti back to Europe. King George was so excited about the cacti and had pride of place in Kew Gardens. Is this a fact or is it a fib? That Sir Joseph Banks was the first person to take cacti back to Europe because they don't grow over there. Well, can I just say, Vicky, that you're going to have the first stab today. (laughs) I hope I get it right this week. I, I think step that's away. Like a fact. You think it's a fact? Yeah, I think it's a fact. Uh, I'll give it a uh, I'll give it a, a, a question mark fib. I'm not 100% sure. I'm not 100% sure, but I yeah, feel... No, it's a fact or a fib. It's not a fact or fib or I'm not too sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll say fib. A fib? Vicky says fact. All right. It's a fib. Oh, did I win? <laughs> Oh, my God. Christopher Columbus oh. collected cacti from the Caribbean. It was the mellow cactus, the Turk's head or Pope's head t- cactus that you find that's very popular these days in 1588, some 200 years <laughs> earlier. Oh, they were making tequila by the time. After week losing. <laughs> How does it feel to be a loser there, Vic? Uh, every... Yeah. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> Sorry about that. Well, what about if we link so I see your face? No, <laughs> no, no, can't do that. I don't have a poker face. Uh, I was watching your face intently, Vicky, uh, here yeah. in the studio at Coast FM, and it wasn't, it was very poker faced. It, it wasn't giving me any clue at all. Mm. You know, we face her at our peril. Well, thank you very yeah. much, Vicky, for joining us today. What's Hot Big from <laughs> Narara much. Valley? Have a great weekend, and we'll catch you next week. Thank you. What's hot? Vicky from Narara Valley Nursery joins us every Saturday morning on The Gang right here on Coast FM 963. We love her. We love her. Get your hands dirty with The Gardening Gang. Saturday mornings at 8 on Coast FM 963. And say goodbye. Gloria Gaynor here from Coast FM, home of the classic hits on the Central Coast with hour two of the Gardening Gang with Pete Little and Cheryl and Darcy. We're being sponsored, as we have been for many moons now, our good friends at Alan Graham's Caravans and RVs, open all this weekend, and also Doormaster Security Doors and Windows. Now, Steve, what about we hit that bell there? Ah, oh, thank you, Steve. Because Cheryl is ready and raring to go... Get your hands dirty. Time to get your hands dirty, Coasties. First up, what's on for plant lovers? Well, next Saturday, here's a special one. It is the very last meeting of the Australian Plant Society of the Central Coast as they present the symbiotic relationships between plants and birds. There's one for you, Pete. Uh, Central Coast raptor expert Kathy Stubbs from Wildlife Ark will be there and she'll be explaining the vital role between native plants and the life cycle of birds, especially how changes in urban gardening styles affect the population and dispersal of birds. It's on at 1.30pm for a 2pm start next Saturday, the 11th of November at Phillip House 21 Old Mount Penang Road, 
carry on. For more information, jump online, Ostplants, that's A-U-S-T, plants.com.au, and look up Central Coast events. They'll be talking about eagles and things like that, won't yes, they? Yes, birds Raptors, of prey. Owls, that's those it. I think they're birds. talking about other birds as well. I mean, she's an expert in that, but they're talking about all birds as well. So it's how to sort of get your garden, you know, nice and friendly for birds, I guess, and invite them in, because we've got to look after our birds. Have you ever seen an eagle in a garden? <laughs> They're normally attacking animals and rabbits and things like that. It depends. Maybe you've got a rabbit in the garden. I don't know, Pete. <laughs> I've seen a few and hanging out overseas. Anyway, that is a next weekend. Listen, and remember, if you've got an event that plant lovers would like, all you've got to do is drop me a line at gardeningcentralcoast at gmail.com and I'll stick it in Coast News and I'll also talk about it right here on the gang as well. It's free. It's for the community. All right, in your garden this week, this is what you can plant. Artichoke suckers beans, beetroot, blueberries, cabbage, capsicum, carrots, celery, cherries, chicory, chilli, chocos, cress, cucumbers, eggplants, endives, kohlrabis, leek, lettuce, marrow, melons, mustard, okra, spring onions, parsnip, and still put tubers of potatoes in, and you can definitely put pumpkins in, radishes, raspberries, rhubarb, rosellas, silver beet squashes, and strawberries, sweet corn, sweet potatoes. Tomatoes can still go in, and so can zucchinis. Now, in flowers, there's a lot of flowers that can go in, including asters, begonias, the bedding ones, canna lilies, also cosmos, carnation, dianthus, everlasting daisies, gerberas, gypsophila, geraniums. It's a good time for geraniums right now. Marigold petunias and also love in the mist and nasturtiums and sunflowers can still go in as well. Now if you want that list and you want some more gardening information, pick up a copy of Coast News newspaper. They're all over the Central Coast. I'm talking about beans this week, how to plant beans in the newspaper. I think you should change your photo. That's been the same one in the newspaper now for three years. Oh, would you like me to change it? You definitely it? age gracefully, but you're not the teenage kid anymore. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I think you just want your head in there oh, as well. You, would you like I'm that? Thanks, Steve. Yes, yeah, stop it, stop it. All right. Uh, well, enjoy your, enjoy your weekend and get your hands dirty, Coasties. Neil Young, the Coasties. This is from the album called uh, Harvest, by the way. Before my time. Coast FM, Pete Little and Sherilyn Darcy. It is the Gardening Gang for a Saturday morning. Doreen has now graced her presence here in the studio. Doreen, of course, is travelling around the Central Coast doing all the uh, RV work on behalf of our sponsor. <laughs> right. <laughs> Recreational vehicles are her shtick and also... I'm very intri- interested in that one, yes. <laughs> yes. Also the markets around the coast as well. Absolutely. So, Doreen, let's uh, look at the markets. Oh, by the way, are you, where are you heading off this weekend? We'd like to get uh, We're not sure. Some know. Are, somewhere local. We only have one night to get away, but we are going, so it could even just be Patonga. But it's always nice to get away. Oh, Patonga is yeah, pleasant, yeah. isn't it? Mm, lovely. You can't really get Refresh. lost going to Patonga. Recharge. Recharge, yes. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, now the markets, are they at Patonga? No, I see here they're no, at Edelong. Absolutely. Hmm. Uh, okay, for today, Edelong fresh food markets are being held at the Broken Bay Scout Hall on picnic parade today and every Saturday between 7 and 1. You'll find fresh fruit and veggies, eggs and deli items on sale. Terrigal Beach Markets are on today between 9 and 3. Support local makers, designers and musicians at the Esplanade on the beautiful foreshore of Terrigal Beach. Mangrove Mountain Markets are being held today between 9 and 3 on the corner of Georgetown's Drive and Blood Tree Road. 
They specialise in homemade preserves, cakes, crafts and plants and all the proceeds go to their lovely little community up there. Their lovely little community? Yes. Okay. <laughs> now, Dorian, let's uh, turn the page over now, check out the Sunday markets on the coast this weekend. Okay, tomorrow, Lions Terrigal Carboot Markets are on between 6.30 and 12. It's being held at the Terrigal Lagoon Reserve, corner of Terrigal Drive and Willoughby Road. There will be a great variety of goods on sale, both new and second-hand, including plants, books, DVDs, fashion and homewares. And Tookley Lions Club markets are on in the Coles Car Park at Tookley between 8 and 1. Go along, browse through their stalls and grab a bargain or two. Gosford City Farmers Market is on tomorrow at the showground between 7 and 12. The stalls include local fruit and veggies, free-range eggs and grass-fed meat. There's also rustic breads and deli items, international foods and coffee. And to wrap it up, the Entrance Lions Club Charity Market is being held again tomorrow between 8.30 and 12.30. It's on in the Denning Street car park, so browse through their second-hand goods and specialty items. Well, there it is for the markets today. Now, Doreen, let's go down to Patonga for a moment. You're heading off there. Mm. Try out the fish and chip shop. It's uh, very, very nice. Oh, yes, I will be doing that. Yeah, fresh. Um, oh, fresh very chips nice. Too. Would it go well with a glass of champagne or bubbles? I think a perfect yes. <laughs> combination. Good fish lovely. and chips and a It'd glass of champagne. Lovely. Ah, Doreen's worked it out well with the RV vehicle. Mm. Mm. Okay, thanks for that, uh, Doreen. We'll catch you next week. You're welcome. See you then. Coast FM with uh, Pete, Sherilyn, Doreen every Saturday morning about this time. Around the markets. Thanks, Doreen. You're welcome. Yes, I've got a feeling it's going to be a good night tonight. Lakes Festival kicks off this weekend and it's all happening at the Morial Park, Sherilyn. It totally is. This is the highlight of the 10-day event tonight. Light up the lake is on. It's amazing. It's on at Memorial Park at the entrance from 4pm to 9pm. There's so much to see and do. Free face painting. There's a, a circus as well. There's jetpack rises, everything. Get down to the lake. Well, It'll I be hope so the weather exciting. doesn't turn foul because oh. it's forecast to be wet tonight. Oh. Take your raincoat. That's it. Coast FM, Pete Little and Cheryl and Darcy having fun with the gardening gang today. Always fun talking to Paulie Mack from the uh, world of restaurants from and the food. World. I love it. And uh, all that kind of caper when you make things to eat. Good morning. How are you guys? Uh, look, Paulie, I've got, to get, I've got to get you onto our thumb here because we need to have some little things to nibble at Ooh. on a Saturday morning. Sure. And one day you might bring in some of your fantastic homemade ice cream. Mm. Yeah, I can do that. I'm a I'm a big fan of that. We make we make ice cream at home a lot. That's a topic today. Oh, well, that's good. Yes, yes you know, with uh, summers around the corner, mm. I was noticing the other day <laughs> that the price of um, you know, two liter ice creams, either you know the major brands, has just gone crazy. Mm. They've taken full advantage of all the, the weather. weather. Yeah. Everything, not just the weather. I think also the mood of raising prices. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now it's time to consider making your own. 100%. DIY ice cream. How mm. difficult? Oh, not that difficult, really. Really? Okay. No, not really. Um, it's a frozen anglaise. It's a, an English sauce, like a custard. And that's a frozen. frozen anglaise. And it's aerated. That's why it's got little bubbles in it. You know? So it ah. makes it nice and smooth. So you can just make a, a simple custard. Oh, you can even buy a custard and stick it in a um, plastic bag. Stick it in the freezer oh, and then... go on, fire custard, okay. And Keep then going. just agitate it. 
I don't. I don't mean like just <laughs> make it angry. Down. Just <laughs> agitate every couple of a couple of minutes until it's. You see, it starts to freeze, and you can, but you can find. Well, how, how do you agitate it while it's in the freezer? Give it a shake. Oh, you get a very little, cold hand. Yeah, you got to get in and give it a little shake about, and then close the freezer yeah, door. Right, yeah, but you can do all sorts of um, frozen treats. We we're um, very frugal in our house at summer, so what we do is we buy a two litre uh, East Coast juice, and then we we put it into a demi tasse, a little espresso cup, with a spoon in, and stick it in the freezer. Yeah, and then the kids get those ones. They're beautiful. No, they just juice. pop out. Yeah, you warm them up your hands and they pop out. Um, but we like hide... an ice block. You're yeah. talking about a fruit ice block. Yeah. yeah but... <laughs> this, this little ice treat thing reminds me when I was a kid, my mum used to give us frozen oranges and we used to think that it was some sort of amazing oh, delicacy. They were, I think they were in halves and then we'd get given those and then sent out to the backyard and then there you go, suck on one of those. And the other thing I remember, Paulie, was mm. the carnation milk. She oh, put fr- that in the, in freezer. the freezer. I can't the remember the milk. process. Yeah. Did you have that, well, Pete? Yeah, or? I did, yes. Carnation milk is a condensed milk. Yes. Okay. Paulie, remember those I do from remember the UK? That. A very posh. Uh, a very posh. Peaches and, and There was some process milk. there. Yeah, you put it in the... F- and then you whipped it or something afterwards, didn't you? You sort of got it oh, to yes, some... Oh, yes, absolutely. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, so making homemade ice cream, um, Chef. Mm. But how do we do that? If um, we- well, you take... Classically, it's a half and half mixture of milk and cream. Mm-hmm. Probably six yolks. It's quite rich and quite expensive. To mm. make that kind of thing. You can buy nice kits to make it yourself, but I um, get a get a decent juice, you know, and then freeze it. I would say that's you a, just that's, that's more like ice block. Forget yeah. about the ice cream. Yeah, but you can get, yeah, you can get ice cream. But you need it to be. I'm, I'm thinking about the you need it uh, the he's, replacement he's, for your streets or your Peter's ice cream. Well, you can make it yourself, but it's probably cheaper to buy theirs. <laughs> Serious? And that's the end of Chef Paulie Magazine. Eight dollars for two litre. That's getting a bit rich for me. You reckon it'd still cost all that for that? I suppose all those egg yolks. Eggs are a dollar each. Not a dollar each. Where do you get your eggs from a dollar? Twelve dollars. Twelve eggs for three dollars sixty. But where are the eggs coming from? Chickens? I would be I'm not sure that they are chickens. You've got they're, not, they're not those fancy free-range ones, though. You've got to pay for free-range eggs. These, these would be these would be out of the uh, out of the cage. Mm. Yeah, that's mm. not good for mm. chickens. No, you've got to get free-range. You've got to make some. Price, you've got to make some some choices. So I'm thinking about how would you have possibly made fabulous ice cream at the lowest price? Uh, yeah, you can't. It's all about ingredients, isn't it? You've got to yeah. um, you've got to choose really good ingredients. The thing you can do is to make flavoured ice cream using seasonal stuff. So that's important. Uh, you know, yes. We always have an ice cream base in the freezer and we'll make a gel or a caramel or something from some from oh. a like a and just sort of So it could be like say if I'm I'm thinking if strawberries, strawberries are in good season, yep, yeah, you can throw the them in. Chips, so you can make a yep. strawberry ice cream or a gelato or a or yep. a sorbet okay. or something now. Mm. Nice. That's the, the, the joy of the freezers that you there we go. Okay. Lasts, so you start it? with a basic white and you have that uh, as your standard uh, product and you weave in, or is that the word? Weave into ripple, fruit. I suppose. Ripple it in. Ripple. That's or, um, it. I like that word, yeah. ripple. Ripple the but fruit. But the kids love that kind of stuff. A little surprise. And we used to make um, this terrific one back in the old days called the Black Bull Raisin Crunch. So we used to make a um, salted caramel ice cream. We used to soak raisins in rum. <gasps> and then we used to get brandy snaps and smash them up oh my and mix God. them all together. So you very textural ice cream. People forget. Yes. Because it's, when you put it in your mouth, it melts and does one thing, but you've got to put other things in it. So we used to caramelise breadcrumbs or we used to put broken biscuits or something oh. to give you an extra level of texture. 
<laughs> no, I gotta say, it's I hate bananas, so it's I accidentally bought banana ice cream once. Oh, that's I, a difficult one. I, look, I love all fruit, and it's just since I was a kid, I can't stand the smell of it. I so can't you've never had a banana split. I can't well, the, stand the it. The ice cream is never banana flavoured, is it? No, no it was banana flavoured. I pointed at it and it was White. it was overseas somewhere and I went, oh, yeah, that looks nice. I thought it was like a lemon gelato or something mm. and it was banana. And it was like, oh. I remember, <laughs> though, when... <laughs> you've obviously had bad experiences with bananas. <laughs> when I was... <laughs> we've got a freezer full of bananas. <laughs> you know, we're never going to make them into banana bread. Okay, thank you for your time, Paul. It's been a very sensible conversation today. Sherwin's <laughs> broken down here badly. This is Coast FM. It's the Gardening Gang with Pete and Sherilyn. We're back next week with Paulie, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> It's Pete Little and Sherilyn Darcy with the Gardening Gang this morning. Now, our regular correspondent for the pet uh, segment, unfortunately not uh, well at the no, moment. She's so not. we've invited a super, a super guest today. Mm. It's uh, it's Casey Bridge from the RSPCA, and they've got a big event this weekend. Or they're starting this weekend with it, a adopt a pet. It is a huge, huge weekend. So Casey Bridge, she's one of the senior managers. But welcome to the gang. Thank you so much for having me. This weekend, we can adopt a pet. So we can always adopt a pet at the RSPCA. Can you take two more on, Shirley? Oh, no, I've got two rescues and I just got an, another rescue a couple of weeks. Oh, no, that was my second rescue a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I rescued a deaf, a deaf dog. So yes, why so. should we take on a pet, oh, Casey? Uh, so we have our reduced adoption fee weekend this weekend. So it's our $29 adoption fee um, for our dog, cat um, and pocket pets. Wow. Um, so what we're trying to do is trying to get all of the animals that we have in care a home um, because we do have a lot of long-term animals that have been with us. Some of them have been with us for over 12 months. So we're trying to secure them a home by reducing the adoption fee to get people to come forward to give a rescue animal a home this weekend. Our adoption animals are fully vaccinated. They're dissect. They've had an adoption health check by, by a vet. Wow. Um, so they're all covered and ready to go and you can take them home when you come in if the meet and greet goes well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a really good time to take a rescue home, a rescue animal home with you. And is this across all the RSPCA places in New South Wales? Uh, yes. I think Summersby. Yeah, so we have one at Summersby. Yeah. Um, our, so our Summersby shelter is our behaviour and rehabilitation centre. So... The dogs that we have at that facility are a little bit different and that we do ask that customers do um, fill out an application form for those particular dogs um, because they've been, been under rehabilitation. Mm-hmm. So you can do that through our well, website. Were they naughty, were they? <laughs> are they going under rehab? <laughs> <laughs> so some of them have just needed some a little bit of extra time in care um, and we have our behaviour trainers at based at our summer seat site. Oh, so they're delivered fresh, ready for a brand new life, huh? Pretty much, yep. That's Fabulous. Great. And where else on the coast is there? Uh, so the closest shelter to the, to the central coast, the next closest would be Rutherford, or you've also then got our Sydney shelter Excellent. in Nuguna. And what's the usual fee to adopt from the RSPCA? Uh, so for adult dogs, um, it's four eighty, and then five eighty for puppies. 
Now we've got Bargain Weekend coming up with the RSPCA. Yeah. Well, I think the, the, the point is as well, it's a lot of people just, you know, they'd love to pay that. They can't afford it and they'd love to have a pet and they could give that pet a home. So I think this is a really good opportunity for well, those people. if you people. had to choose between food on the table Absolutely. and a pet, what would you take, Cheryl? A pet. <laughs> I've just taken on, I've never had a deaf dog before, so I've just taken on a, I call, I've got two white boxer dogs and one's selectively deaf and the other one's deaf. The deaf I one... Cost more than $29. Well, oh, we have noticed that the food bills go up. <laughs> I think because they play so roughly. Yeah, they really rough and tumble play, so they, they eat like crazy, but I uh, wouldn't have it any other oh, way. Adopting a dog is one of the most joyful things. If you can give a dog a home or a cat or one of these pocket pets as well, such a rewarding thing and so wonderful. And this weekend, $29, Pete. Well, Casey, you've got, yep. brought some uh, joy to Sherilyn's eyes this yeah. morning. Uh, but more importantly, let's hope a lot, a lot of people come out and have a look around uh, the RSPCA at Summersby yep. and uh, maybe hitch up with a new pet for uh, the festive season yep. upcoming. Uh, yep. Or for a long term, of course, not, yeah, not, not just for, for Christmas. Pre- not for a pet. We've gone through this with you before, plus. Pete. There's no pets in Christmas. No, no, no. It's not a good present, all right? Well, there you go. Well, Casey, thanks for your time this morning. Your uh, first time with the gardening gang it might be a last but we'll no t- it's we'll keep you not. in the book here we'll keep you <laughs> in the so book much for having me <laughs> that was casey bridge with us this morning and she's a senior manager at the rspca new south wales and you can find out more about this amazing offer from them this weekend 29 dollars to adopt a pet if you could add one to your life you can find out more at rspca nsw.org.au casey thank you for your- <laughs> perfect time this weekend Hopefully. You're listening to Coast FM 963 and you're at home with the Gardening Gang. Coast FM with Pete Little and Sherlyn Darcy, the Gardening Gang today on the Saturday news from, well... Normally we've got good news from Lachlan McDonald, from Ray White McDonald Partners. A bit of a concern about Tuesday, Lachlan. They they're tipping that there'll be an interest rate to increase. Will that uh, will that affect biz much? Well, Pete, it, it's certainly looking like it's more of a possibility. Yeah. Um, but we always said when they paused the rates that no one was thinking that that was going to be the absolute end. It just was an indication that we were very close to the top. And let's be realistic. People are stressed about the difference between two percent and, you know, say 6% on their mortgage, the the difference between an extra 0.2 or something along those lines or, you know, is not really the major concern. In our opinion, the major concerns already happened and the market still responded very well and yeah. you know, moving along quite nicely. Well, so I don't think another one or two is going to change things too drastically. Um, I think, yeah, if it was going to have a real big shock to the system, it would have already happened. Well, let's talk about investing in real estate uh, from the point of view of people who may have um, uh, spare money to spend and have been playing the market for a while. And I have a friend of mine here, commercial real estate, but is thinking about getting out of that and going into property real estate investments. What are the perils of that? Are there perils? Well, Peter, I must say normally it's the other way around. You know, we, we tend to find that it's a, it's a more conservative investment going into residential uh, and that commercial property investment tends to be for that little bit more, um, uh, I guess, experienced investor, someone with a little bit more equity. And there's a couple of reasons for that. 
Uh, one is that you do need a larger deposit when purchasing commercial property. Oh, okay, and right. Like 20% or so, is that what they need? Uh, as a minimum, yeah, okay. depending right. on the property. Yep. Sometimes you, you'll find you need larger than that even. Mm. Um, the the other, other factor is obviously commercial property vacancies with tenancies can be less predictable. We know that in the residential market, we have a rental crisis. We have you know a strong demand for rental property. Mm. And within, say, $50 either way of what you're hoping to achieve for the property, you can most definitely find a tenant. Uh, with, and, you know, a great commercial property um, can leave remain vacant for a matter of months, if not years. So you've got to be able to, when buying commercial, have a little bit more in the pocket to be able to weather some bigger vacancies, yep. just in case. Yeah, um, gotcha. yep. But that being said, there's a really unique aspect with commercial that residential doesn't have, which is that the value of the commercial property is entirely based off the return. So a really savvy commercial investor who's able to, um, you know, withstand those couple of downsides, um, they can buy a property that maybe is vacant, doesn't have a great uh, doesn't have a tenant or only has a couple of, say, um, lower um, level rents or, or poorer tenancies. Yeah. And they, they could go in there, add a lot of value, get some great new high-paying tenants in there on long leases and um, significantly increase the value of the property. You can't do that to the same degree with residential, um, not as dramatically anyway. Well, was that the reason why you see sometimes a, a, a vacant shop or a couple of vacant shops in a um, in a shopping a strip shopping centre, uh, left vacant for up to years, rather than them taking a lower rent, they're prepared just to leave it empty to get a higher return on the um, to increase the value, huh? You'd rather have somebody in there than nothing, I would think. It's more the case that commercial property, um, you know, can be tricky, and you've got to have an expert working for you to find the right business that could be suitable for you and. It's just a little bit more uh, involved. So um, if, if you've got a, a, short, a store or a shop front and maybe it's been leased by one person for 20 years hypothetically and they move out, yeah. a lot of the time you'll find that that commercial property owner doesn't really do anything. They're just going to leave that obviously because the fit out is the responsibility of the next person. Um, but it just might not be very attractive to buy a commercial property might sit for a little while um, until you find someone that's um, willing to, to take it on and, and, and revamp it or whatnot. So just to wrap it up, uh, Lachlan, your advice today for perhaps a casual investor is to stay in the um, in the residential market, huh? Uh, not necessarily, Pete. I think, you know, the commercial is a fantastic investment. You've just got to be aware of those few things. It's, it's um, you know, perhaps a little bit less set and forget than um, than some sort of residential where, you know, you know that you're going to be able to get that return. Yeah. But the upside is also far greater with a lot of commercial properties. So it's risk versus reward, of course, as it always is. <laughs> there it is. So risk versus reward, that's uh, Lachlan's advice today for those investing. Thanks for your time, mate. We'll catch you next week with more from the property world. Thanks, Pete. Coast FM with Pete Little and Sherilyn Darcy. This is The Gardening Gang. John Farnham.
Road, Coast FM, True Love with that heart on fire. Pete Little and Sherilyn Darcy, the gardening gang, five minutes before ten. Now, what's on next week with the show? You've uh, done some work on the preparation. I have. Next week, we're going all about the language of flowers. Flowers that have inspired great works of art, Shakespeare, love, sentiments. They're part of our life. We'll talk about growing flowers, but most importantly, about the language of flowers, Pete. And the hay fever it brings. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.